Hello, everyone. Matty B and CK, another episode of AST number 15. Today is a special day uh, because CK will be geographically located further away than our entire relationship. So this is a farewell podcast and we're going to continue it remotely. And so that will be our next project after this. So CK, in honor of your departure, I have some questions uh, that I would like your opinions on before you part ways. All right. Are you ready? As ready as I'm going to be. All right. So these are higher level. You can go wherever you would like to go with them. If I was to mention the word freedom, what would be the first thing that comes to your mind and why? Thought. All right. Elaborate. Well, I think freedom of thought, as far as I know, was one thing that was originally going to be included in the Constitution, but was left out. I think could have definitely been valuable had it been put in there. That's actually something I didn't know. Yeah. I I heard that. I should probably check the source on that, but I heard it. All right. Um, Let's and, go with it being factual. And regardless... I think it could have been in there because I think that our thoughts dictate our words, our actions in kind of the course that we take and it, the opinions you hold, obviously our thoughts, which like I said, kind of transpire into action. And so if you really don't have freedom of thought at its core, is anything else really that you're doing free? And I think that people need to be able to explore things freely, explore ideas freely, speak about ideas freely in order for us to get to some realization of truth. Because I think that's really what we're doing in life is just like error correcting and working our way towards whatever is factual. I think we're naturally like an error correcting species, right? removing entropy. So I'd say when, when, when I think of freedom, I think of thought because especially with information wars right now. That's actually what I was going to ask as a sub question. Um, after reading um, your thoughts on paper that you shared with me about misinformation and it, how that inevitably um puts freedom of thought in jeopardy unconsciously now that we're talking about it. I think that's how I would, I would put it. So elaborate on that. Cause that's where you were going. Yeah. I think our thoughts can be redirected or shaped based on like algorithms on social media or, you know, the people that we surround ourselves with what we hear on the news, things of that nature. And if you don't have the ability to have, you know, multiple perspectives, it's going to, it's going to put you into somewhat of an echo chamber. It's going to cause you to be polarized, which ultimately can drive some level of kind of conflict, which I think we're seeing in many areas in our society, especially because people aren't able to, you know, think and subsequently talk and act freely. But I think we're definitely in the middle of an information war, whether it's between different nations or different 
sides of our own nation here in the United States. And I think it's it's currently a battle of of the narrative and whether what is conveyed is true or false. What really matters is what people believe to be true. Yeah, I would agree. Because what people believe to be true controls their thoughts, which ultimately controls their actions and their words, which then has a, know, shape, on a, a shape on our society and like stronger compounding effects. So I think what what people believe to be true is is equally as important, if not more important than what the actual truth is. Yeah, I can see where you phrase it like that. I would say truth has a higher importance, but in in terms of the influence, uh, the belief in what's true might have higher importance. Yeah, there's it's kind of like that second order effect of, like I said, shaping people's actions and behavior. So, so yeah, I think I think there's definitely an information war going on right now, whether it's on social media and you have these algorithms kind of that are uncontrolled or potentially controlled. Or you have how do you kinda, how do you like break that down as a person that might be picking up what you're putting down, but might have a, a hard time identifying specifics in which, because I'm I believe I'm guilty of this too. I, I I'm an error corrector of myself because if I am emotional, I might make a different decision uh, than if I took a step back, and so. Like, how do you break it down a little bit further in layman's terms to what we are experiencing and the things that we interact with that might have an unconscious effect of our thoughts and then in, in turn actions and beliefs? Is that even possible? Can you say the question again? I want to make sure I get it. How do we break it down into potentially a specific example? Maybe we can relate one to ourselves. of how we interact with either other people or applications in which could have a unconscious effect on our thoughts. Because I do believe a lot of people think that their thoughts are not influenced by these things, that they somehow are capable of controlling their own mind. When I actually think the degree in which we're immersed in these things, even if you're conscious of what we're talking about, Inevitably, I think everybody is susceptible to losing freedom of their own thoughts unconsciously. Yeah, and that's the thing. Is like a lot of times you may not even know. I don't even think I would have asked myself any of these questions in 2019. Do I think for myself? Um, yeah, back up, bro. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and then and then you really realize you're like, hmm, maybe I'm just maybe being spoon fed this right. entire narrative. Because it's really easy to just live your everyday life, not pay attention to what's going on around you, see that the dots aren't connecting with the story that is being spoon-fed to me. Why am I being spoon-fed the story if the dots aren't connecting? Why isn't anyone else calling BS? You know, the, the and, game and, and, is... And why are the people that are calling BS potentially being you know, pointed a finger at like loonies or, or, or why are they censored? Right. right. Like, like if you look at, I mean, there's a whole ongoing debate right now. What is it? It's, it's June, 2021. There's a debate going on right now with Ivermectin 
as a potential treatment for COVID-19. Not it, in these people that are having these conversations are not saying don't get the vaccine. They're saying ivermectin is also a viable treatment option to COVID-19 and their videos are getting removed. They're, they're saying nothing to discredit the vaccines. They're, they're saying there needs to be an open discussion on the delivery mechanism of the vaccine, but they're, but they're not spreading misinformation. So it's like, well, why? Why are these videos getting taken down? Well, because what these EUAs, these emergency use authorizations, the problem with those is that if there's any other viable treatment option that currently exists on the market, the emergency use, use authorizations are no longer eligible. Based so on emergency use authorization. Yes, because it, we, we we don't have yeah, an alternative. Based on their well, we don't have an alternative. Well, actually, yeah, we do. So you, you need to be able to say that there isn't an alternative. Also, because no pharma company right now actually owns the, the patents on ivermectin. And you said the cost of manufacturing is actually really, really it's ex It's extremely low. Like to the point where you could, you know, manufacture this, distribute it widely. We've, we've had this, you know, this, I think it's an antiviral for 40 years. 40 plus years. So we're, we're definitely familiar with it. And it has very, it's proven scientifically proven to have very, very minimal downside. So like what doctors, I think it's called the precautionary principle. Like if there is very, very low downside to something, and we know that there's very low downside, but there is a, even a possibility of upside, you should be handing that out. Yes. Because the probability of upside clearly outweighs any of the potential risk. You know, this is something that's been through all the trials. It's been around for 40 plus years. We have lots of history and data to back this up. Anyways, that's not what we're here to talk about. But what we're here to talk about is the fact that some of this information is not only being controlled, this narrative is being controlled, but it's also being suppressed. Right. You have YouTube censoring people. And you have people talking on YouTube about how they choreograph their videos because they know certain things are off limits and they will be censored and robbed of their platform to give their information to the public with and now let's just give an example of what is okay to talk about as of recent which is potentially the virus coming from a lab that was yeah off limits oh before, yeah that right? was off limits and whether it was off limits because somebody didn't want us to know or speak about it and they I, who knows or it was because the president so this Trump is actually a really knows? good example because if people are not talking about that for fear of being canceled and that having monetary effects on their life, you are inherently limited to hear that perspective, right? And so that is an unconscious control of thought if you get information from a platform that does not allow you to share information such as that. Well, in an, another thing, right? Like when I like to think of controlling thoughts is the fact that like one of the worst things that you can call someone, I would say, and well, ever that you could call someone is like racist. And it's it's not something that anybody wants to be called is a racist or a sexist or any of those like isms mm -hmm. that you could be. And so anytime you see your mind potentially doing something or like thinking a way that like, oh, this could be labeled that way. Like I, I, I better back away. Like the, I, I don't want to think like this because people, I, I genuinely believe most people don't want to, to be that. I certainly don't. I, I don't believe you do. I, I want to be, I want to be respectful of everyone. I'm, I'm for freedom, right? I don't yeah. really care about any of that, anything, 
beyond that. I, point being is if it becomes racist for some reason to talk about a lab leak, because that's what they were calling it back when it was originally discussed, is that, oh, you're racist for thinking it came from a lab in China. No, I'm not. I actually was called a racist just for simply saying China was our biggest economic competitor based on a bunch of economic factors. And, and that's I don't even, even think that... How do you connect those dots? I don't, I, I don't get it. Like, that's like saying the United States, it's a country, right? Like, I'm not saying Chinese people or people in the United States. Chi China is a nation state. It, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, there's plenty of people that are not Chinese that probably live there, of course. Majority are, but yes. yes, I get it. And so back to controlling one's thoughts, right? Like people inherently don't want to be a bad person or they don't want to be racist or sexist or any of those things. And they actually don't want to hurt people's feelings for the most part either. Right? Correct. I, I'm Maybe some do. I'm sure there's plenty of people. I certainly don't. Doesn't sound like you want to either. But if you begin to let your mind travel down the lab leak hypothesis kind of rabbit hole and think, hmm, maybe this did come from a lab, which myself and many other people way smarter than me. And I know we've talked about this before have been saying this since like legit March or April of 2020 when this whole thing started, but it was, it was off limits. It was an untouchable subject because if you touched it, you were racist. Why you were racist. Nobody really had any explanation for why that was racist at all. It was just, it, it's the one thing that made it untouchable. Yes. And so it made people hesitant to allow their mind to travel down that rabbit hole. It made it nearly impossible to speak about it in public places, either because you were afraid of the reaction that you would get or because you were censored. Correct. And then, I mean, understanding the origin of this virus is 100% the single most important factor in developing a solution to stopping it. And if, if our interests are truly to stop this, we should be equally as concerned about where it came from because that, that one, it allows us to get to a solution a lot faster and it helps us understand any potential side effects, especially if it is a result of gain of function research. And so I, I, I do believe that uh, to be true. We've gone so far the other direction. Um, this is unrelated to your freedom of thought, but it was an interesting argument by Freebird that I heard about at this point, that might be lost effort. But it's what might be lost effort? Finding the origin in comparison to using resources to figure out how to prepare and prevent a similar scenario happening again. The one question that you would have is, how would you do that without finding out the source of this outbreak? Well, yeah, I mean, you don't really cool you want to prevent it accidents happen maybe it was an accident maybe it was intentional that's that's another piece. topic for discussion the yeah. fact of the matter is is determining whether it came from a lab is one piece of the puzzle right we just need to get there first i agree and 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 whether or not it was intentional or not quite honestly that may or may not matter as much from a like a health level it yes. may matter from like a political standpoint sure. like how are we going to respond yes um as the united states but I think I think it is very important because you you got to get to the root cause. You can't just keep putting band-aids over things or just putting in preventative measures cuz you can you can stop things at the root cause. Step number 1, get rid of gain of function research. Like that's that solves a huge problem right there. Eliminates a lot of risk. It does. 
because you make viruses a heck of a lot more dangerous through the process of gain of function research. And another thing too, just on the whole freedom of thought business, you know, you, you've heard about if you tell a lie enough times, you begin to believe it's truth. And I also think if you be, if you hear a lie enough times, you begin to believe it's truth. And I think whether or not things are intentionally lies or just worded uh, differently so that it can be interpreted one way. Um, I'll give you an example. So uh, Dr. Fauci was giving Senate testimony and it said that, you know, as far as we know, the not doing gain of function research in this lab, whatever, how he talks, right? Yeah. And that wasn't exactly what he said. The point was, is he was being very legalese about how he was putting his words forth. And to, to someone, the average, you know, passerby, like, oh, like, you know, they, they weren't doing research in that lab that he knew about. But if you look at it in like the way that he worded it, I wish I could remember exactly what he said. It was to, I think Rand Paul was, was questioning him at the time. It basically, it was him copping out and it was kind of like saying, you know, there could be, but not that I'm aware of or, or whatever. Yeah. Worded it in a... Uh way that he's not going to get the blame for it and he didn't technically lie exactly but but he's also but he's also not telling the full truth right and you know that's i'm not saying he was or wasn't lying i don't know it was just an example of like the way that you're interpreting it as as an average person is that you know all things are good when, when, if you actually understand the language that he's using and like legalese, like, you know, he's, he's doing what his, his lawyers are telling him to say, you, you begin to realize it's a lot more complex than that. Yeah. And, and I think people have just been fed these kind of sugar coated or lies or whatever we think they want to hear for however long, because we're afraid of what's going to happen because nobody actually knows what's going on. I think that's the problem. Nobody actually knows, but they're too afraid to, to put their foot down and point in one direction. And so, but then it just creates more confusion and chaos and people feel like they're being lied to. Well, and then there's also the fact of the consumer of these statements and information, if they don't pay attention to the nuances, um, I do think there's a level of you hear a lie however many times or you hear information however many times. You consider that to be relatively solid information and then you develop a belief behind it and then you develop what would sometimes be seen as a passionate viewpoint behind something that really when you maybe ask yourself honestly, the response would actually be I don't actually know much. So how am I this passionate about this? Yeah, and it's because whether it's because you want to believe the best in people. Well, I think there's a certain feeling of safety by either pretending with denial or just simply actually believing something to be true. It, it, it's a gravitational uh, stability to not have to say, I don't know. Yeah, it's a safety blanket. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I didn't. I don't know. I just thought that was not so common. Yeah. Yeah. So next question. If I was to mention the word money, 
What would be the first thing that comes to mind and why? Time. I like that. I think. I like that. <laughs> um, I think, well, one, time is the thing that most people are currently trading their money. This sounds super cliche too, but it's also something that I don't think is that cliche because not many people actually think about it when they're living it. <clears throat> it's It's the one thing that people trade for money on average, like the most, the majority of people, that's what they're trading for is, is time. It's like, I'm getting a X amount of dollars for X amount of time. You know, every two weeks I'm getting paid or every, however many hours you're working. And I really think that then money, you know, if you, if you work for 50 years or however long you want to work and then you retire so that you can have time back. And it's not about like, how can we make the most of our time right now make money work for me right now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, I mean, I'm only 23, so I'm, I'm still fairly young, I would say. But I feel like, wow, time freaking flies. And, oh, yeah. and money's going to come and money's going to go, but I just want to find a way to like do what I actually enjoy whether it's generating a lot of money or not a lot of money, if I can do, if I can keep my burn rate low enough and find a way to do what I, what I want to do, maybe I have to sacrifice my time for money right now to set myself up for it. But in the long run, like I don't want to just be trading my time for money. Um, and something maybe that I'm not like extremely passionate about or that like really energizes me. I don't know. Yeah, no, it, 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 it it's a, it's a, it's a good perspective that I think is so simple, but I didn't stumble upon that realization directly, like in its root meaning. Like when you go physically somewhere to produce, you need to allocate your time. Then you are compensated for your production, which is your time. And if you continuously do that, where do you end up when you're older? And if you do the math on it, many times to have the life you want, there's going to need to be a more complex scenario, especially now. Maybe it was different before, um, but, it, but, but starting with that is the realization on how to get some of these things, uh, go some of these places, enjoy life that does cost money, right? But without that fundamental understanding... Um, I find it very misinterpreted on how you live your life in the now, enjoy it all, and then also retire and not be up Shit's Creek dependent on somebody else or your government or whatever. Yeah, it's really difficult. And I think, so two things. <clears throat> First is I think that times are changing in the sense that the traditional retirement model and I say traditional based on what I've seen. It may not be traditional for everyone, but the traditional retirement model, right? It's like you come out of school, whether it's high school or college or some secondary school, and and you go work for X number of years, at which point you retire after however many years, and then you no longer work. I don't know if that model is actually going to hold up in, in the future anymore, Partially because I don't think people will be able to afford to do it. 
And I also think that it's going to be a heck of a lot easier to make money doing other things that don't require you to spend 40 hours a week all the time. Like, or I say 40 hours meaning like a traditional job. Like, I think there will be 20, plenty of opportunities to, to just do like a podcast or to do something creative, like this creator economy that's becoming more decentralized. And you can literally live week to week and break even if you want to and live the life that you want to live. As long as you figure out what the burn rate is to like live the life that you want to live. What's a burn rate just in case nobody knows? A burn rate is basically like breaking even. So what are your living expenses? Including all of the things you want to do and the enjoyments and the the luxuries. Whatever you want to do. Yes. Whatever you want to do, that's your burn rate. Whatever you want to eat, wherever you want to live, whatever you want to drive or bike or whatever that's going to cost you to sustain your standard of living, that's your burn rate. And you just figure out, what do I got to do to make that much money? And and you could potentially do that into your in, in, for the rest of your life, yeah, right? 70s, like, 80s, whatever. Yeah, you can adapt if you want to. And it doesn't have to be super intense because think about it. As you get older right? Your ability, I mean, hopefully it doesn't decrease too much, but your ability to like go out and do things and be super active tends to, to go down. Subsequently, your burn rate would go down. Now you also have to factor in the, the point that you might have increased healthcare costs or something like that right. to go along with it. So, you know, that's what insurance is for. And the, the point is, is it changes over time and you should be able to kind of adapt your lifestyle, including your work to, to meet that. Um, Sorry, keep in the mic. Um, <laughs> the second thing that I wanted to say is, well, actually, hold on. Basically, go do some research on the creator economy. And I think that that's something that we could definitely talk about a little bit more. Well, we've um, touched in, on in, it for yeah, sure in but, previous. But in a, in, a, in a future episode, just talk about the fact that like, like you could literally create a sub stack. You could get 500 people to subscribe to you paying five to 10 bucks a month. That's like five grand a month. That's a lot of people's burn rates. It's a lot of people's burn rates. Plus, it doesn't take that much to, to write a weekly or even a daily newsletter. I mean, it's, it's it requires thought and it requires time and precision. But like maybe a few hours and then you have the rest of the day or the rest of the week or the rest of the month to do something else. Right. That could also generate another $5,000. Right. You could use that money. You have your burn rate covered by one of them. And you could use the rest of the money to go invest in some properties, generate some cash flow there. And then you've got multiple streams of income. If one of them freezes up because some website decides to censor you, whoop-de-doo, you've now created kind of a self-sovereign system that you, you can kind of exist independently of whatever platforms you're beholden to. Anyways, that's a rabbit hole for a different time. Um, the second thing that I wanted to say on the time and money is, and this woke me up, like hardcore. I believe it was Robert Breedlove quoted this quote from someone else that I don't remember who, but Robert Breedlove quoted it from someone else. So got it. the quote is, if you are trading your time for something that somebody else can produce for free, you are a slave. Meaning that if you are trading your time for money, which someone else can produce that money for free, you're a slave. Well, oh, nobody can produce money, right? Money doesn't go on trees. You're right, it doesn't. But Jay Powell's got the printer button, and it goes burr. 
and and they can they can put as much liquidity into the system as they want. Yes, and they do it by the ability to borrow unlimited, and that's the mechanism of creating something for nothing. Correct? Exactly, and so they're creating money virtually out of thin air. And this is money, the same type of money that you would be working hard for and millions and millions of other people around the world are working hard for. They're printing tens of trillions of it over the course of a year. And so think about it. If, if really what you're doing is not something you enjoy, don't quit your job tomorrow, but make a plan to do what you enjoy. And maybe you enjoy your job. I enjoy my job right now. I don't know if it's what I want to do the rest of my life. Who knows? The future is out there. But trying to get a plan in place is super important. Yeah, because I do think that the world is still full of opportunities. And although I am accepting of the fact that I trade my time for, for money and others don't have to do that, for instance, like you just outlined, you can still create a a plan to be sovereign, a plan to basically be okay with getting fired anytime, right? And I think there's some level of freedom in that for myself, right? Like I sort of do wake up every day and say like, can I handle being fired? Can I handle losing my current position? Whether that's being a business owner or, or whatever, like, have you built a backup plan? Have you built a foundation? Are you courageous enough to just cut your burn rate and, and figure it out? Because if you don't really think like that, subconsciously, you're more likely to uh, be fearful of, of losing your source of income, right? And that's a fear that is not something I really like. Yeah, and I mean, even go, go further than that, right? Like, your employer could fire you, okay? Yeah. That's one. But then what if the grocery store has a shortage, Ooh. right? What if you can't get your groceries? What if your water is shut off? Not because you didn't pay your bill, but because the supply is gone. We don't have enough water. Yeah. You know, what if we can't, sorry, we've got it grids. We don't have enough energy supply. You're going to have to conserve your electricity. You know, how dependent are you on like all of those things? And I'll be the first to tell you. I'm probably the most dependent at out of out of most I'm about as dependent as it gets on like other people for the things that I'm consuming right now meaning like I, I don't own a home right like I'm paying rent somewhere yep. so they, they they're in control of my water my electricity all that stuff I pay for it but they could shut it off at any time even though in the contract it says I'm paying for it and they're gonna give it to me um, and I go to the grocery store and I buy things but what happens if they don't have it right? I am dependent on those things, but the plan is to get somewhere so that I minimize my dependencies in all of those areas because like, it's not just about your job. It's about, you know, that's not, you know, if you want to be self-sovereign, it's like, how can I be as, as independent financially or otherwise as possible? Yeah. Because I mean, financial independence is, is talked about whether it's your financial advisor or yourself or whatever, uh, but being able to survive on your own is, is kind of the next layer of conversation because we are also dependent in the current supply chain, right? I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. Um, big cities have, have 
what, what was it? Uh, really the invention of the automobile made all of it possible, correct? I don't know, probably. All right, so one more thought because you mentioned energy. What comes to mind? Money and time and energy. Bitcoin, baby. Bitcoin, baby. All right, I had to throw that in there. I knew your answer. We don't have to go down that hole because that hole is really long. If you'd like to, you could take a shot at it. But there's some others that do a really good job out there. I'm just curious. I'll try and sum it up quickly. Is there a question that goes along with that? Or you're just talking time, energy, money? How do you connect those three for somebody listening? Okay. Time, energy, and money. Okay, so... Storage might be helpful Yes, for you. storage. Yes. So Bitcoin is effectively... Actually, let me, let me time out. You're trading your time for money. You want that money to retain its value. Well, what is the value of a currency? Well, in the in the current system, it's basically like my dollar relative to all of the other dollars. You know, the the, the scarce the relative scarcity of it. And all it takes is one person to to press a button, effectively, and and it be, can become worth less. <clears throat> and that is your time being devalued. The time that you put in is no longer retaining its value. So you're saying, I put in an hour's worth of work, but now it's only worth 30 minutes? That doesn't make sense. Nothing happened. Well, yeah, it was out of your control. So Bitcoin is a more effective storage of your time it retains its value. One Bitcoin will always equal one Bitcoin after 21 million Bitcoin are created, over 19 million which have already been mined. You know, there will be no more after that 21 million. Would you say what you're referring to in someone's time is really also their energy output, their well, production, utilizing their time? Yes, you know, an individual's energy output but also the fact that Bitcoin requires energy in order to be mined. And as far as I know, mining isn't actually that profitable because as the difficulty increases for like mining Bitcoin, it becomes more expensive. The computational energy required to actually win and mine that Bitcoin increases. So it's saying, all right, this Bitcoin is worth that much because this is how much energy these miners put into actually producing it. Like you look at any great innovation over a period of time, it used more energy than the previous thing that it, that it was replacing, right? Does the, does, does the automobile use more energy than the horse? Yeah. There you go. So it's kind of like what, what Bitcoin is relative to other forms of money. But I would say it's it's a storage of of energy and value through space and time that cannot be corrupted um, by any centralized party. And honestly, there are way smarter people that talk about this than me. And I think this is a conversation that we could go way deeper on if we really wanted to, just on like one of those topics of energy, time, or money. So I will I will save people 
the pain of listening to me, listening to me ramble more. But it is worth noting so you can go down the rabbit hole yourself because uh, once you fundamentally connect those three dots and you start to think, it becomes a pretty fascinating topic because it's so freaking simple. Well, And it's so complicated at the same time. And, you know, you could all, there's so many topics that you can honestly, like very important topics that you can relate to like Bitcoin or money in general. You talk about, you know, energy, time, space, um, information versus misinformation. All these things are, are crucial to how we live our everyday life, but we don't necessarily think of them being interconnected. Agreed. Agreed. Maybe I should post that misinformation article for people to follow up on. Yeah, post it on Substack, tweet it out to the world. YOLO. <laughs> All right, so last and final question similar to the previous two. If I was to mention the word education, what is the first thing that comes to mind and why? Well, I wanted to say indoctrination. Well, I, I want to know the first thing. So that that's that's a that's a that's a let's explore that knee jerk reaction. Yeah, I think a lot of my education, and we talked about this on the very first episode. I I think I remember exa- nearly exactly what I said. I said something like, "It's just a game, and you've got to figure out how to play it." And really, that's what it is, right? You have to memorize things. You have to make sure you're doing it right. There's really no, unless you unless you make an effort to, there's no incentive to really begin to critically think about anything. You know, as long as you give the answer of what you want in the traditional education system, I think you can get by just fine. You may or may not be very successful. I don't know, but you can get by. And I think that the indoctrination kind of comes in like uh, the inability to question things. The inability to explore the forbidden, you know, mm-hmm. and not because the teachers are bad or because the administrators are bad, but just because it's the same system that they grew up on and that they have been a part of now for however long they've been in it. Correct. And people don't want to go against the grain. And so I think, I think education is, we are so far behind in the United States. We don't. We have China has a I don't I don't even know the number. It's like seventy plus percent of people are going into, you know, STEM fields. Really? Yeah, in China, and we have like a ridiculous number of people going into like the humanities. And nothing against the humanities, with all due respect, like there is a place for that. Otherwise, it would not exist. But I also think STEM is creating the future. And whoever wins this race in the future is going to have huge implications on all of our ways of life. Anyways. Um, it's ironic that our literacy rate is one of the lowest in the developing developed nations as well. I didn't know that. Yeah. But it doesn't surprise me. It's 21% apparently. What? 21%? What do you mean? 21%. Of people are literate? By the illiterate standards. I didn't. Sorry. A 20, 21% of people are illiterate. Correct. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it, got it, got it. Dude, that's still one fifth. Yeah, I mean, no, it's but it's it's a lot. It's a lot different. It's a lot better than twenty one percent of people are literate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's questioning your source, but I, I could believe twenty one percent. So, so, so. I, I, all right. So, elaborate on that a little more, um, because because my follow up question to that would be, is 
what 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 I asked the question on education, I specifically used the word education instead of learning, right? Yes. Would you have responded differently if I substituted yes, the word? Yes, 100%. Because I think I think many people think education is synonymous with learning, but I think the two are completely different and I don't think they always exist with one another. So so one of the things on like a like a vocabulary basis is like when I think of education, I think of taught teacher uh, relaying of information, Ed- passing down Education is a, pr- is a process. Learning is an activity. Right. And, and, and learning doesn't necessarily re- require an instructor, a teacher, a that's, passer that's, down that's, of That's what I mean. What, what, let, me, let me clarify what I mean by the difference between a, a process versus an activity. Right. And maybe I'm just making these distinctions in my own head, and it, I, I should just clarify. Well, perception so, is reality, so yeah, it yeah. must be yours. So a process is something that i think is repeatable and you can do over and over again and there's a okay so we're going to tell them to read this book we're going to talk about it in class they're going to go home and do the homework they're going to come back they're going to take a test if they don't do a good job they're going to retake the test (laughs) whatever the, the the situation is that they have going it is it is repeatable and it is meant about just just output predictable too. It's, yeah it's predictable it's it's just about output it's not about actually like discovering anything new whereas like learning as an activity there is no blueprint for learning it is kind of a you know there, there can be some structure in a in an environment of learning but for the most part it's it seems it's to me it's more natural and it's 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 guided by the free will of and curiosity curiosity creativity of, of yeah. the learner yeah and i think yeah that that's yeah all right so so before i ask uh these these next uh two final uh semi-different questions let me recap your responses number one was the question of the word freedom what was your answer again thought money was what time Education was what? Indoctrination. It's ironic that we were able to break those down into one word uh, responses with a bunch of context around them, but I just find it interesting that that's how it played out. Um, So might be random, might have to elaborate on this, but throughout the nation states, which are what we call countries basically now, uh, there's been a lot of inventions that are awesome. One of them is commercial flight, right? Like we get to go places and, and that provides a new ability to experience life and creates new freedoms and opportunities. But what I never really thought about was the, the nation state use of that technology, which is the ability to control airspace, right? So it's really early but it, 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 it's super interesting to me that we now have an inept government, quote unquote. I call them inept because they basically said, come on, Elon and SpaceX, help us figure this thing out. But, but what is your position on airspace, political stability, power, and the next frontier of that airspace? Space. Which is actual space. It's mind-boggling that we've been kind of in the same place when it comes to space for like, for I think like, like 60 all of, years. Yeah. Like all of my parents lifetime. Yeah. It's going to change. It's, 
especially this last week too we just ended um some alliance that we had with china we will we will no longer collaborate with china on any space activity whether it's like so that's what leads me to believe why do you think the space force was created people thought it was a joke so much so that they literally created a netflix show a comedy out of it space force is not a joke no um but for 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 somebody okay take a crack at in a short version of the power that comes with the ability to control your airspace as a nation just real quick if you can okay so the power of the ability to control your airspace i'd say surveillance is one um internet is another communications telecommunications think about how many satellites are floating you know over us if you can either intercept those or destroy those think about the impact that you can have what about missiles coming at you Uh, well that's the next thing i was going to say is actual like offense or defense if you control your own airspace you are better able to protect it from offensive attacks if someone else is controlling airspace above you you are more vulnerable to attack yeah, so when you look at the United States, other than 9-11, which we won't go down that rabbit hole, but our airspace... Dick Cheney made money off the Iraq War. Anyways. Um, our airspace has really never been invaded since Pearl Harbor, and really on the actual continent of America, it really hasn't been, to my knowledge, in I don't really even know if ever, but definitely not in my lifetime or the previous, uh, my parents' generation's lifetime. But when you look at other countries and you look at our ability to you know, control the air and the sea... That gives us a tremendous advantage that has nothing to do with anything but the ability to control the airspace and for those reasons that you outlined. So now that we say, oh, China, not sharing nothing with you, and we have companies with enough resources, and basically the public sector has failed to allocate resources and make headway on that innovation – What's your thoughts, dude? It looks like we have a quote-unquote space race, but I don't necessarily think it's for anything other than this similar control of airspace. Oh, it's 100% about control. But dude, don't you think people just want to jump on a commercial flight, pay a quarter million, and go see space? Why is, why is it just not that? Well, what, how did the internet start? Military. DARPA, yeah. And I think it's like Defense Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. I think it's DARPA. But anyways, they, they created the internet. They had, they had DARPA net or something or, or ARPNET. Anyways, that was before any commercial use of the internet existed. Same thing's going to go for, for, for space. You know, why did we care so much about the space race? You know, whatever, how many, 60 years ago or whatever it was missiles missiles you could get something that high in the sky think about the control that you could have of launching a nuke at russia if you're the united states during the cold war that's why it was so significant and you know i i think we're seeing something similar play out today whether it's information warfare or it's our ability to actually travel the universe freely who knows it's it's all about control and I think it's 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 very interesting to me that nobody actually knows what the intentions are. 
the game theory behind it's very interesting because it's like, well, we can't tell them what our true honest intentions are because if we do, we've just unveiled our entire strategy. If you're being honest about it, right? You've just unveiled your entire strategy. Then the other side, your opponent has all of the leverage. What benefit do they gain by being transparent then? None. Same goes, you know, you flip the scenario, same goes for the other side too. So both sides are incentivized right now to withhold all information and not state their intentions. And they're also incentivized to assume the worst of the other side. Yeah. Which as a result leads them to do some, you know, questionable things, questionable, outrageous, many people call it immoral things in the sake of just like, you know, protecting ourselves. But then when you get that type of power, they say power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Then it, it starts to take on a life of its own. So I don't know. I think space is sweet. I think it's cool. I think you've got a lot of great entrepreneurs that are trying to do something great there. But it would not surprise me one bit if the military industrial complex hijacks it. Time will tell. Maybe. All right, last question. Technically, second to the last question. Can you own property in your opinion? And if you can, what property is truly ownable and why? I don't know. It it depends. I would say I haven't actually thought about this much, so I'm just gonna try and work through this Let right now. Let it ride. I would say no, you can't truly own property unless you are fully capable of defending that property. Because I think you, then you have to define what is ownership, right? I think let's let's do that first. What is ownership in this context? Well, I would say that the only context in which we can adequately go forward, which, which what does it mean to you? Because otherwise you can't answer it. Well, yeah, I can also answer it depending on how we want to define it together, so we can kind of come to a mutual agreement. All right. So, what is what is the what is the common definition of ownership? Uh, if we can narrow that down, I think it would be the right to use and enjoy this piece of property how you see fit without uh, somebody else taking it. Without somebody else taking it. Perfect. I think then that kind of aligns with my train of thought, which is you cannot truly own property because at this point. Unless unless you are capable of, as Joe Biden said yesterday, unless you have some F-15s and a couple of nukes, you're not going to be able to take on your government. Now, he said it in a different context. He was talking about the right to bear arms, the Second Amendment. But the point is, is that's what you would need to defend against the government. And if the government comes to play and want to take your land, what are you going to say? Or whatever property Or whatever, is. yeah, sorry. Property, land. What are you going to say? Sorry, that's a good point. I thought we were talking just property. Like, sorry, um, land yep. in terms of property. I'm talking I, about I, all property. All property. You can own Bitcoin, baby. <laughs> God damn, I didn't know we were talking about this. Yes, you can own property. And right. Bitcoin is the only one that... Unless someone's going to hypnotize you and steal your private key from your brain, like some MK Ultra stuff, you know, you're pretty much, you can own that. That is the one thing that I think people cannot take away from you next to integrity. 
people cannot take away integrity. Only you can give it away. Anyways. Maybe your freedom of thought, but that's not property. Maybe one day it will be classified mm, as property. True that, especially with Neuralink. All right. So the reason why you can't own anything else besides Bitcoin, since we kind of spitballed and dawned upon a uh, detail or, or interpretation of the question, what, what makes Bitcoin different, dude? What makes Bitcoin different? Yeah. You, you, can't, you can't take away math, right? You can't revoke the transaction. And if I have it, if I, if I hold my own private keys, whether it's written down on a piece of paper, etched into some steel, or just straight up sitting in my brain, or in a safe deposit box somewhere, I don't know, wherever you want to custody it, fine. But nobody can take that away from you. You need the private keys. And it's, it's, it's impossible to, to steal, to, to steal something that's in your head unless, you know, you're like hypnotized or something. Or unless right? you willingly give it away. Willingly right? give, but yeah. then it's not stolen. Right. You're, you're giving it away. You're giving it up. Yeah. I mean, it's somebody not, could, yeah, it's non-confiscatable. Torture, pain, giving it away. You're giving it away though. It's, it's a thing. It's like, it, it, there's a separation. It's a that. trade-off, right? You're yeah, going to yeah. stop torturing me yeah. here. I'll finally, I'll give it to you. All right. So let's get out of this dark, weird little yeah. thing that we're yeah. in right now. But, Torture. It's it's interesting because um, whether it be <laughs> whether it be a company computer, whether it be a personal computer, whether it be land, gold, whatever, I will say in agreement that Bitcoin is the only one that falls into a category where you can position yourself to have true ownership if you know what you're doing. And are willing to not willingly give it up. That's as good as it gets to ownership. Yes. In my opinion. Well, and the beauty of it is, is nobody, there's no way of proving that you actually have it. No. Like, so, you know, what's the point of, well, I don't want to bring up torture again. You know, what's the point of trying to get something out of someone if you don't know for certain if they have it? Sure, they may have bought it. But if you also know that it just sits in their brain, you're also well aware that people's brains malfunction, malfunction, they forget things. You have done that a time or two since I've known you. You're I've known been to known do that. To do that, it's it's a thing. I have a lot going on inside my brain. So you're a perfect candidate for the boating accident. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Look that up if you don't know what he's talking about. But Bitcoin boating accident. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's no way of proving that that someone owns it. You know, there's there's plenty of ways to prove other types of ownership. All right, so going back to the question, I there's, think, sorry, there's ways to prove that they own it. There's no way to prove that they, they still, still hold it. the private keys. Exactly, that they still have it um, in their possession, one way or another. Um, but I think there's a big distinguishing factor on ownership, and I think uh, many people, including myself. Grew up with a different train of thought and uh, a feeling of, of security around the property that I own. And, and I actually think that's diminishing. Uh, so that question was interesting to me because, um, for one, you actually just thought I was talking about the traditional ownership. Well, because we always talk about properties that yes. you own. Think, so yes, yeah. yes. But it's interesting when you when you just sometimes look at everything you own is a piece of property that you 
then get to enjoy without fear of somebody taking it from you. And we've had we've had great protection, right? Like yeah, like yeah. One of, one of the reasons why we have such great property rights in this country is because well, one, we have a very strong military, and two, the logic of violence just simply doesn't make sense because you by according to the second amendment have the right to bear arms and it is possible that like if you go to try and steal something from someone they may have a gun and they may shoot you and so the logic of like going after those things the 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 risk is just simply not worth the reward it's interesting that you bring that up because a lot of people uh use the second amendment conversation and then we'll move on to talk about overthrowing the government the example was made by biden um I don't know that you really need F-15s because technically they would have to have enough foot people to run around and secure uh, their domestic land, which is large. Plenty of vacant space. But regardless, if I had to be more concerned about one, I'd actually be more concerned about another person unrelated to the government trying to come steal my property. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I want my Second Amendment. And I also dislike the laws in Minnesota. I really like them in Texas, giving clarification on when you can use that Second Amendment to defend your property. Yeah, I'm not as well versed with the laws in Minnesota, but I wouldn't surprise me that Minnesota has uh, unclear Second Amendments. They have it clear. You're supposed to run away at all costs is basically the breakdown. Mm, okay. And it's your burden of proof that you did not run away at all costs. That makes sense, though, right? No. Anyways. Anyways, anyways, anyways. On to the next. Appreciate your thought on that. So after all of the things that we talked about, <laughs> would you say you're an optimist or a pessimist? And why, and why, and why? Hmm. I go back and forth on being optimistic and pessimistic. I'm, I'm optimistic. Wow, this is going to sound really narcissistic. I'm optimistic for myself. I am currently pessimistic for the majority. Like, yeah. like there's, sorry, I shouldn't even just say myself. I am optimistic for the people who have like proven that they're paying attention and that they, they're, they're aware of what is going on. Would you just say that they are displaying their freedom of thought? Yeah, sure. That's fine. That, that works. All right. Who am I to determine whether or not someone's truly free of thought? And how do I ever actually know if I am? I like to think I am. But, you know, yeah, let's call it that. But that would put them into a category of really having that freedom. And I think that would be applicable. Yes. And I still don't think the majority of people have that Correct. yet. I get so, it. so, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm optimistic about those people. Because once you get there, you're, it's like very liberating. It can also be really exhausting when you focus on all of the repercussions that come from the people who aren't thinking freely. Yeah, it can present a mental burden for sure. But it's also just kind of like liberating to know, holy crap, thank God that's not me. Yeah. It, yeah, we talked about uh, this a little bit in an unrelated thing, and I actually didn't really think about it relating to this question, but... Um, I would share the same opinion, even though I am still bummed out when I say that out loud. Say what out loud? I am hopeful for myself Yeah. and what I would consider many other like-minded individuals. There's a lot of people that are going to be left behind. 
that is the that is the conclusion that I oftentimes come to. However, I consistently look for a different conclusion, and I have yet to really find one that changes my mind. Well, I don't know if you've seen this acronym floating around on social media, but there's it's called NGMI. Not gonna make it. <laughs> no, like but it's I- it's a it's a real thing. Like people people throw around NGMI. It's kind of like the the new have fun staying poor, right? Like, all right, the way you're thinking, it's just you're not gonna make it. Like, I'm sorry. Like, good luck. And and it's too bad because a lot of people that we care about, that everyone cares about, are NGMI. And you know whether or not you want to take the responsibility of like getting people up to speed on what the hell is going on. I don't even mean from like a conspiratorial standpoint. Like I sound like you mean a cons- from a, from I, a, I mean a, from like a, a flourishing standpoint. Yeah. Like just stop eating what is being put in front of you and ask yourself if, if that's healthy. Like, I mean, that's, that's a literal, literal example, deal, but, but it's but, the same with information and exactly, everything else. That's what I'm saying is like, stop. Like I look at, this is a, sorry, random side tangent, but I was like running on the treadmill this morning at the gym and I'm looking at the TVs. Like, on the treadmill and like it's just nonsense like, <laughs> none of it matters i know right? I, was, I was literally someone was walking through like oh look at that and i looked i looked at him and i'm like dude none of that matters yeah like i, I was like i was like i don't care so so i have a thing that i i get uh, discontent about and it it's that thing that you just mentioned is a lot of times i literally do not care what most of the people surrounding me are doing, interacting, and asking me if I care about. You want to talk about sports? Don't care. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and it goes to like, whatever's on the news, whatever your opinion on Epstein is. Like, Like, I'll talk about the rabbit hole and all of the different options, but if you're trying to convince me of an opinion, like, I don't care, right? Because I actually think that I'm more interested in exploring uh, the wide angle lens of the unknown, because I think it's very difficult to know things for hundred percent certainty. Well, then you could keep going. Sorry. Um, but that, that's not the way most of these conversations are presented to me. And, and I basically, I'm like, Oh my God, my time is being wasted. I know. I know. And you know, the one reason why a lot of people are not going to make it it's because they spend so much time trying to convince people of their opinion or of their reason of why theirs is right as opposed to just thinking about because honestly let's face it we're going to be wrong a ton just about as much as we're going to be right probably on average you're going to be like 50 50 right and wrong yeah if you're an average person and um and that's not supported by data i'm just saying that um but if if you explore the other possibilities you already give yourself an upper hand on like you know if the reality that you were not hoping for does happen to take its course you at least have thought about it enough in a way to 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 already take action on it and you've you've probably come up with some contingency plan if you're thinking ahead or or whatever the case is you're just already more prepared than people who are blindsided by it yeah, no, I totally agree. It goes back to the safety blanket thing. Even if you actually are thinking those thoughts, maybe you self-suppress those thoughts because it's really, really more comfortable in my opinion. And and I don't – one thing I'll say is 
when you have a family and, and children and, 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 and you know that they see this world through such a different innocent lens and, and you are uh, very skeptical about a lot of things and then in turn analyze those things and there's only so many hours in the day i i do understand why many people uh, uh choose the matrix version if you will right i really do um the blue but i can't do that um even though i legitimately sort of want to sometimes yeah yeah it because it becomes exhausting right? no dude it's it's like you can actually become straight up unhappy about it. Yeah. I think it's funny. It, if someone was to ask like, you know, you, you know, what, what do you think Connor is an opinionated person? And actually I'm curious, what would you say? Do you think I'm an opinionated person? I kind of started to ask myself that. And, um, like, I think the answer would be yes. I also think he has data to back up most of his opinions based on researchers or, or, or life experience. But what I would also say is Connor is not uh, defiant to change his opinions based on new information. Like, yes. Okay. There you go. That is, I think that's the key distinction that I was thinking. Cause I was going to say like, I have opinions, but they're loosely held. Right. Like, like yeah, they're I all, will, they're held in all different tiers. Yeah. But, but I will, when I say they're loosely held, like I hold them strong because I've, I've generally thought about most of my yeah, opinions. Put the time in. I put the time in, but I also am willing to change it. Like I, I have no problem letting go of an opinion if I'm presented with new data that tells me and, otherwise. And, and, and I would say that occasionally you might need to be interacting with uh, the right person or uh, absorbing new information from the right angle because all of us, even you, even me, if we have like moments of, of what we don't like to happen, um, it just bounces off you. Yeah. You know, like not everybody can be willing and able to accept new information at all times. If your phone's ringing, your kid's crying, your mom's saying, get up here for dinner. I got to move. My girlfriend's hollering, like whatever. Right. Yeah. But when you get somebody's attention is the test. Okay. In passing on Facebook, quick twit twat, this, that. That's that's not a thing, okay? In real life, I believe that if you are willing to put the time in, have intelligent conversations, being willing to change your opinion based on reason and logic, that's a cat that I like to hang out with. Yeah. Yes. And I I think the point that I was driving towards, and that even brought up way better points than I was thinking was going to come up, but is that if you asked, like, if, if someone was to ask you, you would give that description to the question of, is Connor opinionated? Whereas I feel like most people that I interact with who maybe we don't have those types of conversations with, they'd be like, yes, Connor's opinionated. Very opinionated. And they, maybe, might, they might even sw- throw a little swear word in there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> um, but, but I think the thing is, is that like, I actually find myself, I don't give a shit what side I'm taking of the argument when I just find someone who's a weak thinker, I don't. Do you devour him like a savage? I do, <laughs> I I do, and it's 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 
it's unhealthy. Like I shouldn't do it. But a lot of times I've, I've learned to control it a lot. And I'm, I withhold my opinion a lot more now as I've gotten older, just cause it's not worth the time. Right. Right. But I think like, I just don't even, I don't really give a shit about what I'm saying most of the time. Like I don't, I'm not as passionate about what I'm saying. I'm more passionate about just proving to people like you didn't even think this through. And it's amazing how many people don't even consider to be like, hmm, maybe I am wrong. So, so I think it has to do with the fact that uh, I don't know if this is actually just in our human nature or not. But like, if if <coughs> if, if so, when you, when you asked me that question, I I paused. Right? Why did I pause? Because I had to like just very subtly separate the emotion and ask myself. Instead of you asking me the same question, because if I ask myself, I'm not emotional about it, right? And if if somebody had an experience with you that got asked that same question, they they I, I swear this is how human nature works. Don't know that for sure, but if they've had an experience with you that's emotional, I do think unconsciously their response is based on that experience 100%. and the emotion derived from it. 100%. And so if you can't. And I'm guilty of this all the time, especially at work. But you got to be able to pause, think, and speak if you want to say what you actually are thinking and what actually your truth is. Because your body, at least for me, like I, I really feel like the, the, the urge to just fire back does not come from my brain. Totally. And it's honestly, I feel so much better about the words that I speak when I just pause and think about them. Do you ever obsess about something that you said and you didn't do that? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I wish really I could have said, said that differently. I, yeah. And then the I time. think about all the different ways I would have said it if I actually just thought about it and delivered it uh, unemotionally. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm there all the time. And but yeah, I do I do believe words feel better when you think about them. And when you especially when they're just new thoughts, you know, like cuz if you don't if you aren't constantly questioning, like you took a moment to think about it and ask yourself. Like do I think he's opinionated? And that's a very simple question, but if you do that and you get in the habit of doing that all the time, think about the stuff that you're going to start to like question and and think about a little differently for yourself. And this actually comes to mind like right now, right? Because uh, sometimes questions get asked to you and it could be in a work environment, um, a highly competitive environment. And, and sometimes you only get one response, right? That response might not be timed. They might be able to give you the time to think about your answer. But as soon as you give it, you don't get to retract, go back and say something different. And if it's a promotion or an interview or an interaction with a client, like you only get one shot sometimes. And I think the thing that I strive for constantly fail at is to just think and then move forward prior to a response. But like innately, I do not do that as much as I'd like. Yeah. I think it's, this also comes back to where we started with freedom of thought is like really thinking about those responses. And like for me, I don't have 
opinions or um, I don't think about the world. I think the same as the majority of people. I haven't met someone that shares 100% the same beliefs as me. And I think a lot of the opinions or consensus that I've reached are, are different than the mainstream or most like normal people. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But one thing that's really difficult is being your true authentic self. And like freedom of thought is one thing. But if you don't have the freedom of speech and the freedom of action to actually back that up, it's like, what's the point? I, I agree. And, and I think that habit is, is right in that conversation, dude. Because if it, even if those things are limited for a little while, what happens to the freedom of thought? What happens to the brain activity? What happens? Mm-hmm. The answer is I don't know. But it doesn't sound like it's beneficial. No. You start to develop chip habits. away at the fudge factor. Exactly. And little fudge here, a little more fudge there. Before you know it, the whole thing of fudge is gone. Yeah. And 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 that that fudge is your your integrity and your principles. And I feel like that. And sometimes nobody else in the world will ever know you compromise besides yourself. No. And I think one of the best ways is like if you do compromise, tell someone, hold yourself accountable. I've done it before. I've called you and told you. Yeah. We've talked about it. Yeah. I mean, there's been. Everyone makes mistakes, but at the end of the day, it's like... And sometimes they're not even mistakes. Sometimes you just talk it out and say, you know what? I'm going to consciously do this, even though it's against this and this. Yeah, yeah. But I weighed it. I'm going to live with the decision, and I'm going to move forward. And shit, at least you already knew what the deal was prior to making the decision. Yeah. Now you just got to go live with it. Yeah. I think having a set of principles is extremely important. And I think at the core, like freedom of thought is for sure principle number one for me. So I find that very interesting that that was the first question that you came out with. Yeah. I mean, I drafted this up in like 60 seconds and I was like, this is what I want to know. And this is what I'm curious about. And he better answer it because I want to (laughs) know. No, it was just, it was just a, it was just three things that I, wanted to ask as an open-ended question because they're they're big topics I think about a lot and I think they're intertwined and I thought that this was this was entertaining I'm sitting here and I'm entertained so hopefully you listening are are entertained as well and Um, if you're not you probably haven't listened this far so we don't really care (laughs) true story I don't even know what we're at for a time but I think it's safe to say we can wrap this up thank you everybody for listening to another episode of adapt survive thrive we will be coming to you uh, from a remote location Uh, Connor is off to his next endeavor to adapt, survive, thrive. Thank you very much, everyone. Peace.